This is Steve Sinner, Lonely Guy with a Book. We're going back to the top 100, the now world-famous top 100 favorite books that I have ever read. There's been a lot of movement in the top 100 recently. Within the past six weeks or so, four new books have entered the top 100, including a brand new all-time number one favorite book. This happens throughout the year. I made my initial list, and then as I read, somewhere between four and six or eight new books kind of bump their way on. I think that this list, and I recognize that this is no more important than it actually is, but I think this list is moving toward perfection. That each time a new book enters the top 100 and whatever was number 100 drops off, that the list becomes a little more perfect. I don't know that there will ever be a point where I'll think that it's done, but I do know that when I started keeping track of the top 100, you know, this list of my favorite books, that it added an extra dimension to my reading, which I've really enjoyed. And that is that I, I now compare books as I'm reading them to the other books on this list. It's not just a thought of, well, okay, is this one better or this one? That's, that's going to be a part of it. But it's also, how does this book fit within the larger genre? How does the author do with whatever they're bringing to the table? And of course, as always, the ending is vitally important for my enjoyment. That's absolutely true. I have a difficult time ranking a book highly if the ending falls flat. And it doesn't have to be, and in fact, it shouldn't always be a big, shocking twist. That can become cumbersome. It can be difficult to pull off if the author isn't skilled enough. A twist that occurs has to make sense with the rest of the text. One example of this is that we're being led in a certain direction. Then we find out that the bad guy is actually somebody else. Well, if I can go back and identify the solid clues, that's great. I'm, that's a twist I can enjoy. But sometimes that doesn't work out. Obviously, with the books that have gone in the top 100, I thought the ending uh, either you're superior or at least sufficient to allow that ranking. Today, we're going to be talking about a book with a trope that I'm very excited to address the book is Before I Go to Sleep, written by S.J. Watson, published in 2011. Our protagonist, there are two main characters that we need to know about, Christine and Ben Lucas. As I get into the summary from Goodreads, this may sound somewhat familiar, as there have been other books and movies that have attempted the same plotline. 41st Dates is a really good example with Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore, of a movie that attempted to to do this. Now, that was more of a comedic effect. This is going to be more of a thriller. Let's, let's read this summary. Christine wakes up every morning in an unfamiliar bed with an unfamiliar man. She looks in the mirror and sees an unfamiliar, middle-aged face. And every morning, the man she has woken up with must explain that he is Ben. He is her husband. She is 47 years old and a terrible accident two decades earlier decimated her ability to form new memories. Every day, Christine must begin again with the reconstruction of her past. And the closer she gets to the truth, the more unbelievable it seems. As I was reading that summary, I also thought of Memento, excuse me, which was a very fun movie, very good uh, suspense movie. 
that might be a little bit more in line with this because Christine is going to wake up and this is not a comedy. The trope that we see in this book that is so fun is the unreliable narrator. Now, I have mentioned this previously, but I kind of held back because I, I wanted to address it with this book. When the unreliable narrator is done well, we, the audience, are not getting outside information. In other words, there's, there's not some secondary source telling us what's actually going on, what the real truth is. And if you think about Memento, there was. We would get these flashbacks that would let us know, oh, this is where he's misinterpreting that. That is not a problem. But that really weakens the unreliable narrator because, because then we, the audience, we are finding out the truth before our main character is. And that's not any fun. The unreliable narrator only works. I guess I should put it this way. The unreliable narrator works with maximum cleverness, maximum benefit when we are discovering the truth along with our protagonist. Watson nails this. He just does a fantastic job of allowing Christine to uncover one piece of information at a time. We learn it with her. And so this truth then gets put together. And Watson, it really is very skilled at doing this. And again, I've, I've read this a lot. I've seen this. I It's not that I didn't enjoy 50 First Dates. It's not that I didn't enjoy Memento, but they are definitely subpar examples of what the unreliable narrator looks like. Because Christine, if, to, to make this clear, this is going to be told in first person from Christine's point of view. And Christine is going to wake up on day one and we are not going to know any more than she does. And she knows nothing. Again, as, as we've seen in other books, who's good, who's bad? Well, she doesn't know. We don't know. I think we start with the, with the assumption that Christine is good and we start with the assumption that Ben, her husband, is good, but we don't know beyond that. We don't really know about Christine and Ben. It's just a, it's just done so well. Watson does such a good job with this, with a writing concept that is very difficult to pull off. How satisfying was the ending? I loved it. I thought it nailed things. I thought it put things together exactly the way that they should end up I thought that for the story to make sense and to be authentic and to to give us the payoff for what we had been, I mean, there's time and energy. And again, I've talked about this contract between the reader and the writer before. For that contract to have payoff for both of us, the writer needs to get our full attention, but we really deserve to have these writing gimmicks done in a way that is not gimmicky. And Watson pulls it off. It's it's a very good book. It's exciting to read. You want to read each chapter. What is my rating and recommendation? I, of course, gave this five stars. It is currently number 94 on my top 100. You know, once a book gets to be in the 90s, it's going to drop off within a year, probably at the most. And I'm glad I'm making this podcast today about this because this is such a good book. That being said, this is probably the most polarizing book in the top 100. If you go through and you read the reviews on Goodreads or, or some other site, half of the people who read this hate it. And I am fine with that. They are allowed to be mistaken. What I can't accept is not giving Watson the credit for pulling 
off an unreliable narrator uh, trope really effectively. So what's my recommendation? Get the book, read the book, see something done very well that is hard to do well. This is Steve Center, Lonely Guy with a Book.